It's August 30th, 2007, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is Dennis Keeley. Dennis is a great photographer who for the last 25 years has created images that have appeared on hundreds of CD covers for jazz and hip-hop artists. His images have also appeared as part of fine art projects that have been exhibited in numerous museums and galleries. He is also currently the chair of the Photography and Imaging Program at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. But it's our frequent conversations about photography and its changing role in our society that has made me want to include him on an episode of the show. This conversation offers only a sliver of the kinds of talks that we often have. We could talk for hours on and on about this topic, so it's likely that this won't be the last time you'll be hearing from Dennis on this show. But for now, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Dennis Keeley. The equipment's better than it's ever been. And therefore, if you apply that strategically and personally, then you would apply it um, individually. You know, you would you would look at each scene as an opportunity to make a statement about the the great maze or 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 fabric of life instead of, oh, this is a football game. <laughs> I'm supposed to stand here and it's supposed to look like this. And if I use the the Canon 500, you know, 1.4, um, it, it'll that lens. I don't know what it costs, but it should make an expensive looking picture. <laughs> um, but I was just in. I was just at Sports Illustrated in New York when I was on vacation, and we had a long talk with the editor about anybody can make a great picture. It's kind of like golf. Anybody at some point can hit the ball, and and the conditions being right, they can hit the ball like Tiger. But can they do it three times a week, or can they do it um, regularly? Can they predict how they will how they will approach in any situation strategically? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most remarkable things I learned at, at Sports Illustrated about golf is that they used to send out photographers to photograph the course before before the tournament looking at beautiful spots to make pictures they soon realized that the ball never landed there <laughs> that that they could make these beautiful landscape images but then when the photographer actually went out there to photograph the tournament the ball would never land there so it was a waste of their time um, you make pictures where the pictures are you can't you can't plan for life. You have to be prepared for it. You have to you have to look at what it is and then and then make make a statement about it. Make make author some some document that explains um, a, a peculiar point of view. Yeah. And and that's the history of photography. Well right now we're experiencing this period of photography where technology, digital technology and the incorporation of the computer is kind of allowed people to discover or rediscover photography to a great extent. Um, but there's a lot of fi- fixation on the technical aspect. Um, and 
And but do you see beyond that that there are some discoveries that people are making in terms of the photographic aesthetic that wasn't happening before that this technology is allowed for? I, I think I think it does because um, I'm not resistant, but I'm very suspicious of innovations in technology. I'm, I'm very reluctant to jump in with both feet and and just simply adapt them to 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 the way I know how to make pictures. At the same time, over the weekend, um, I had to search for something, and and I realized that I could search a new way. Um, I actually used one of those editing programs that uh, um, that I have been resistant to because I thought those were really for editorial photographers. That is for people that shoot 300 pictures every day and look for the best shot. And it allows them to scan through all these images and find the, the one. What I realized was that I was able to use the same software for pictures that I've made over the years and start to make different groupings of those things and create different contexts in a much more immediate way than I ever could in, in a traditional way, in, in looking through my proof sheets and looking looking in, in, in making prints, that on the computer I really could build a new aesthetic. I really could take disparate images and start to make a new a new logic for myself that I started to see a, a, a style that I'm building inside my own photography that I've never been able to see before and and those new con- contextual groupings um, are something that I can start to utilize now in my work that, that were there but I've never accessed them so immediately before and did this through the computer I'd love to tell you that I came came upon it as a consciousness, but actually the computer gave this to, to me. It's a gift. It really is the it, it, it is a really apparent at two o'clock in the morning you're making that discovery. You're saying, Oh, these pictures go together really beautifully in a way I never saw them work together before mm-hmm. and would not have been able to find them or group them together any other way. Tell me about your, your beginnings as, as, uh, as a photographer. What kind of work did you do? And how did you find that you know, um, various technologies sort of helped shape or, or affect your ability to be able to produce work and make a living? My father had a dark room when he was a child um, he had a, uh, a roller cord, which was the camera that was in our house, and I was forbidden to touch it. Um, but I started to make pictures. Um, I started to be the family photographer at, at probably age four. Um, and, and I grew up in a very unhappy family. I have the pictures to prove it. <laughs> um, but I had, I had a series of Instamatics and, and those, those strange little Kodak devices that and and people just assumed that I was the photographer but I was never encouraged to be a photographer I was never never shown that that was a career or or that it was a profession or that it was a, even an art form but I but I was given art lessons as a child I made pictures I drew I painted um, all through high school I I made art but it was never uh, thought of as a career 
and and I think that at, at some point my parents thought I would outgrow it or that I would finally find some uh, uh, respectable aspect of this that would produce some sort of job which I still haven't found um, but I come from a whole family of accountants so this is not a surprise um, I think one of the big surprises that I had in my life was that when I applied to art school, um, uh, uh, they let me go. And uh, I don't think they had any idea of what, even what I would do with that education, except that that was one of the most important decisions I ever made, was to go to a school that, that taught art. So after school, I still didn't think that photography was going to be uh, um, a career move, but but it was something that I always did. It was something that I've I've always had a camera. Um, I started to work with rangefinders in col in college because those were the cameras that were not popular. So I could borrow a, a, a Leica, like an M3, and take it out for weeks. And uh, and there were a few teachers that that I had who really saw that alignment and, and encouraged it and and. Uh, and really taught me things about imagination. The rangefinder is such a brilliant device because you're not looking through the lens. You're really having to make some decisions about the resulting image that you only see after the film. There's some miracle that happens when you see the film that that you succeeded in doing something that, that really wasn't apparent in the viewfinder. But I like that aspect of it. Um, I've always been a musician, so I was a drummer in high school, and uh, and and was in a band in college, and and after school, um, I thought I should have a job, so I took a job in aerospace and uh, got my top secret clearance and worked on the F fourteen for a few years, um, which was a complete disaster. It's the last job I've ever had. So. Um, Working every day just didn't work for me. Um, uh, worked there for a few years, quit that job, and took a part-time job at the uh, LA Weekly as a startup. It was a newspaper just beginning in Los Angeles, and I they were lacking um, all kinds of positions, but uh, I, I became their photo editor. So uh, um, it was easy for me to move pictures around and to to talk to people about what picture would be important in the newspaper. What did you begin learning about photography and especially about your own work as a result of being a photo editor at the Weekly as opposed to what you were learning and uh, had learned? That was my, the Weekly was my grad school. It, it really was about purposing images. Um, it was about getting images in from anonymous sources that you would purpose in the newspaper, but also then looking at how those worked, didn't work, somewhat worked, and starting to assign photographs um, that worked specifically. How you would give people um, an idea of, about a picture and, and watch them express that in a personal style. Um, I, as photo editor, the, the, the great gift from that was that I could assign myself the great pictures. So that uh, pictures that I was particularly aligned with, I would go do myself. 
um, mostly music related. Um, and and out of that job, I took a job as a musician. I, I got a job as a as a as a support musician in a band, and and went on the road everywhere. Um, played in across the United States a few times, and tired of that. But um, the last band I was in was a a band with a guy named Leo Kotke. And Leo, we worked on his record, and he needed a, a cover for his record. And uh, I volunteered that I could do that. And uh, since we already knew each other, he thought that was a great idea. So I went and saw the art director at Chrysalis Records, and she was very suspicious and said, uh, oh, do you have like a portfolio? And I said, actually, I actually do. So I showed her my portfolio, and I got paid to do that job. And, uh, and, and that was um, something I then did for the next 20 years, um, which was uh, probably did a thousand album CD covers, mm. um, yeah. projects, and some greatly satisfying, some recognizable, some uh, famous ones. And, and through the course of doing that work, um, opened a lot of doors to think about not putting pictures on the cover of music projects, but what could pictures do by themselves? What stories could they tell by themselves? And 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 started to look for a bigger problem to solve. Mm-hmm. In photography, in those years, it was very easy to move from one venue to another. So that uh, um, I started to apply for uh, grants, commissions, um, projects that were more environmentally uh, driven, um, and found um, lots of success there. So I worked on a project up in the uh, Arctic Wilderness Refuge, um, worked on a project for, uh, um, the, um, for the Getty on ancient sites. Um, I still work for the Getty, work for Getty Conservation. Um, I do. I'm on staff there. I do their, all their portraits for for conservation, um, and that opened up many more doors in terms of education, in terms of uh, writing about photography, um, and and asking lots of questions about a medium that I that I'm in, that I believe in, that I feel really strongly about, but I don't see a lot of those questions being answered. Um, in the work, I see, I see many people responding to a to a current or present circumstance, and that that photography is, if if anything, it is present. It, it is it is of the moment, but but I think what has driven photography forward are people that think about the circumstance of photography not necessarily any particular picture or any particular photographer, but where, do, where does image making sit in, in society? How do, how do images of society define who we are as people? It's, it's a lot of the images that we see now are so controlled, contrived, you know, um, and, and, and you know, heavily manipulated with some end game in, intent, largely to to sell you something. Um, 
but there's a long history of photography in the hands of people who were really sort of documenting the lives of not only of us here in this country, but all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it would result in some amazing images with no more intent than merely to use the camera as a way of documenting, expressing something, and sharing something. And now you have um, people who are interested in photography largely because of the kind of images that really don't have any strong sort of emotional value, but evoke a reaction based on insecurity, fear, desire, whatever it is, but it's heavily manipulative. Where, how, where do you see, the, in terms of the history of photography and where it's going, how do you sort of drive that, particularly because of your position here teaching a new generation of photographers? Well, my position here puts me in the intersection or the crosshairs of, of who, will, who will be responsible, who will educate, who will inspire, who will permit um, photography to find its own its own level. Um, I never intended to do this job, but um, as it as it came at me, I realized that this was not a small job. It it really does address all those issues of a, a medium that's that's a very young medium. It's 150 years old. The history of it is is incredibly rich with. With content, with image, with um, culture, with personal investment, with with a sense of of almost religious um, uh, importance. At the same time, this is only the first fifty years we have schools for photography. That the whole history of photography was built by people that never went to school. They did this because they were called to do it. I'm not sure it's that much different now. People are still called to do this. Not many people really want to be photographers, um, though it is the most popular. Uh, I don't know what it is. it's an amusement. People have cameras everywhere now in their phones. Um, they buy these little cameras. They shoot everything, uh, and. And I look at that as taking the temperature of, of both the accessibility of making images and the importance of imagery in this society. It, image is more important than reality. It's, it's through art, through education, we've built, in the last 20 years, we've built something called postmodernism, which is not essentially a, a, a great art. But it's a remarkable tool to investigate art. It's a it's a it's a remarkable vocabulary to describe condition and circumstance and and potential. And that that we can now use those things to build something that's new. That's that's not not based on the not solely based on the thousand years of art that we have before, but built on something that we've we've finally realized that art is is valid it's 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 to be used it's it's a uh, um, it's a tool it's a, it's a remarkable support for an individual for a group for a uh, a movement for a uh, uh, a global condition and that and that my job is to really address those issues um, 
on on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, and I see and I see the sort of the challenge in there. Having had the opportunity to to look at a lot of the students' work here and and having the chance to sit in in the critique critiques, it's it's been interesting to see that that the personal work, the work that kind of really embodies what, mm-hmm. what you're talking about, um, really has a, that sort of resonance with it. But surprisingly, the students find themselves not fully trusting that that part of their their creativity, and instead are sort of deferring to what they believe is worthwhile or, or valid, or what will actually sort of get them work. Um, so how do you how do you sort of compare it? It's a funny thing because. Um, I do believe that history doesn't really repeat itself in, in some respects because this is a new a new time. Uh, this this generation that we are teaching has come by their information much more passively than any generation previous. The quality of the information is is solid. It's 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 as good as it gets. Um, we have better tools for investigation, better better channels of communication, but people don't have to move out of their room to get this information. So they don't they don't acquire it through any kind of effort. What we find in school is that people either want to come here as a resource and and to use this as a as a vehicle to move their work forward, or they come here to. Um, to get education. The, the latter is less productive. The former, to use this place to, to, to move your work forward is, is, is the calling. It's, it's, we have exponentially more photographers in the world today than we've ever had before and the same amount of good work being produced. When you look at the amount of good work, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's less than 1%. Um, we have a, a whole generation of artists that have access to the history of photography, have access to uh, current technology, actually the state-of-the-art technology, and make pictures that are really beautifully based in history and based in a, in a kind of contemporary culture. Then we are witnessing in school some people that are innovating. And those people are are the next generation of people that that will produce work uh, that's both personal, professional, and they are not bound by by a fine art barrier or a commercial barrier. They're making these decisions um, with new criteria. So I, I, I like I like that we're moving into a into a more informed but freer place. It's interesting because it, the, the whole language of photography, of, of images, is something that, that, you know, not only this generation, but for, you know, my generation, everything in between, um, has become very more savvy about. They may not be able to put the words to it, mm-hmm. but they have very uh, sophisticated um, understanding of the visual language and what what's involved in not only an individual Im- individual image but multiple images and storytelling through an image. It's sort of almost in, intuitive. Um, but uh, that being said, it's not easy to get people to sort of tap into that. And instead, there co- becomes a more fixation with the with the technical aspects of the camera, the software, you know, all this. And we so. live in we live in a time where this is the biggest technical innovation since silver. It's actually bigger than silver. 
because um, silver was contained inside of photography. Photography is now included in any kind of digital innovation. So it, it's about communication. It's about um, this techno technological achievement that we can now make. We're we're discovering things about chips, about 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 the internet, about about communication, about about publication that before this were never even possible. And photography plays a, 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 an important role in that. In school, we teach about Barthes, we teach about Sondag, teach about Benjamin. These are really important signposts. Some things change, some things don't change. Um, Barth said that pictures are inanimate. They animate the viewer. That's, that's going to be true forever. At the same time, he had no idea of the technology that, that we were going to be in. Therefore, students have to look at the realities of, of that, the, that the canon changes every day. That, that the, the rules for what pictures mean and, and their contextual alignment or, or misalignment, we're witnesses of that every day. So there's, there's a great deal of suspicion about the, the integrity of images, the truth of images, the, the, the proliferation of, of, of image. We don't have time to even write a new canon. The work is changing so rapidly that that doesn't mean that it's a, a thing out of control. What it means is that we are we are pointing students every day at finding the truth, of being investigators of of what images mean, mm -hmm. of storytelling, of of literacy, of visual literacy, of of not making any assumptions about images that they see from the past or from the present. And then how will they be authors of that future? How will they be uh, the leaders and, and the, the, the instruments of that future? It's interesting that, though, that, that photography is playing such a powerful role in our society and that the value of, of the images um, has dropped. Exactly. And it's, all of a sudden it's, there's this hunger not only for the use of images in traditional media, unless it's television and, and magazines. Now you have the web. And what would seem like an incredible opportunity for photographers has resulted in, in dramatic drops in income. I was looking at some statistics for some uh, uh, incomes of, of different media positions throughout the country. And the average um, salary for, for a photographer was below $30,000, much less than, than some of the other editorial positions. And it was just amazing to me that considering how Corvus and Getty are making millions, if not billions of dollars from the use of the images, the photographers are just, the creators of these images, are barely able to eke out a living. Why is that? I did some research last year. There's 165,000 or so photographers in North America working today. 70% um, of those 165,000 are self-employed. And I think 50% of those people make less than $20,000 $20, a year. 
In any market segment I looked at, though, from high school pictures to fine art to advertising, there was a a real percentage of people making more money than ever before. Than ever before. So, photography, in terms of its business, even in terms of fine art, prices for fine art photography are higher than they've ever been. Contemporary people making work, being sold in galleries, getting paid more money than ever before. It's just the numbers. Uh, we have uh, photography attracts. It's so democratic. It, it is. It's so. It's so beautiful in that. In that it. it it's. An, it's a constant invitation to everyone. There's a kind of equality uh, that 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 everyone loves to make pictures. Um, our school. Our, our department is actually relatively small. We, we tailor the size of our department based on those percentages of, of where the most amount of money is spent in photography and where the most, of, most intellect is leveraged at a picture. So the, these collaborations of making images in fine art and commercial and advertising are really interesting places for, for our students to move towards. Photography as a business has probably never been very good. It's, it's uh, wedding does better than it's ever done, but it's a it's it's flattening out as everyone with a uh, with a digital camera and a printer can be a wedding photographer. Um, can they be a good wedding photographer? Probably not, but they can find a price point for their family that makes it um, a great living that week. Um, Stock is a is a is is an anomaly. We've never seen anything like it before. Um, I think this year Getty laid off people, so that this particular venue of, of supplying pictures for publications for catalogs, it's gonna it's gonna die out a little bit. It's gonna find its own its own level, and as they cannibalize each other. Corbis, Getty, um, uh, we're looking at stock from China, stock from India. As they find a lowest price point for a picture, um, they will then attract a kind of picture that is is based on that value. Um, Great pictures, um, pictures where people are strategically placing these things to do a job, um, Annie Leibovitz is making more money than ever before, um, and people of that ilk, to be half the price of the most expensive photographer in the world, still makes you make a good living. Um, it is a good living. It's 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 more like being a musician, more like being a person who has a skill, who. It, it's so personally satisfying to do something that whether you got paid for it or not, you would love to do this. Mm-hmm. As a business, um, there's portrait painters and then there's house painters. I don't want my portrait painted by a house painter, but I don't want my house painted by a portrait painter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, there's different plateaus for where image sits. Um, in in corporate structure, they want to get the best, cheapest picture that they can find. They've always wanted that. 
um, with art directors, with designers, with with consultants, with with collaborators in in this construction of image. Um, it, it's not long before people find the the, the shallowness and, and the and the, the the downside of stock. It works for some things. Um, it doesn't work for everything. It works for insurance companies. It doesn't work for for making something that's more strategically driven. So uh, it's a transitional time. We we are seeing some some big upheavals. Kodak is no longer a player in imaging, um, and and you know who thought that uh, that that digital companies would be the uh, the foundations for for the new photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the whole role of of, of the web, particularly multimedia. Um, we've talked about this many a time yes. about the amazing opportunity that's that's providing that's you know yet untapped, I think. In terms of the, the potential, but how do you see that really just transforming not only how photographs are used, but the role of a photographer? It's a very interesting question because the difference between filmmaking and 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 photography and multimedia are, are they're they're there. They are they are being built every day. We're seeing that narrative film is becoming. Specifically, that it's it's a it's it's geared for theatrical release. Uh, people are watching movies at home more than 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 they go to the theaters. Um, they're they're going to start making movies for home. Then the theaters will become transformers. Will always be in the theater. Um, movies like I just saw once is perfect for your home. No reason to go to the theater to see it, but it's a really personally moving experience um, photography will always be be still it will it will be that thing that Barth talked about with with it being a still image that that makes one think that slows down their their sense of perception where multimedia sits is is in that that beautiful place that's being built which is that we are a society that's 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 just fascinated by motion. We we are we live in a moving world. We we want our pictures to reflect that. That it seems like that would be real. Multimedia then becomes this 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 thing based in fact, but also based in in, in artistic uh, interpretation. Um, how will people author these new documents? Um, we're starting to see some of it. it it's based on. Some of the best of what what movies are, some of the best of what still images are, some of the best of what what documentary or journalism is, and that that these pieces are are not any one of these things, but are are new hybrid ways to to treat information, and and they will be in art, they will be in you know journalism, they will be uh, in YouTube, they will be personally driven. Um, I'm I'm waiting to see my first YouTube movie that's edited. You know, um, they're the brilliant thing about them right now is that they're so accessible. Um, one person with a camera can make something that has duration in it, and it goes from beginning to end. There's no there's no stopping. There's no second camera. There's no there's no finesse to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not long. 
it's not long before YouTube becomes a new venue for people to start making new kinds of documents that describe their circumstance where where they live in Topeka, Kansas and they can reach people in New York City or Bombay. Yeah. Let me talk to you about your own work. I know that you know, here you are, you're immersed, you know, mm-hmm. in the whole uh, the world of photography in school. You're you're called on to, to speak on the topic at numer- new, you know, numerous occasions. You you go up to you know conferences. How about your own work in terms of you going on to shoot? If you're anything like me, it's it seems like even it's though constant. I'm immersed in it, it just going out there and to be able to produce my own work is an incredible challenge. How about how about you? And what what are you drawn to doing right now? I'm making work right now. My my work over the last five or ten years has been text based. It's been about image and text. <clears throat> and um, I was commissioned by the uh, California African American Museum in in. Uh, um, in 03 to make a piece about um, the anniversary of uh, uh, desegregation of schools. So my, my work is, is most very socially driven. Um, and I'm making pieces in the last few years about the failure of photography, about, uh, about the failure of images to address these things about historical residue. That that um, when I grew up, I looked at history books um, with pictures in them, pictures of World War II, pictures of um, the Civil War, pictures of of social injustice. And and as an adult, I realized those pictures had no validity for me. They were just pictures. They were just images. And that that really the the stories behind these pictures. Are, are almost more critical than just the 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 explosion, the explosive effect of an image, and so I've been been trying to contextualize these pictures removed from history. I went to Topeka and photographed the Monroe Street School um, 50 years later, which is it, it's an empty building. It it shows nothing. Um, it it doesn't have anything left there. Um, it's just a picture. Um, I went to the Gettysburg uh, battlefields and, and there's nothing there that conveys the magnitude of what, what happened there. Um, and so I'm traveling to some of these sites that are 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 rich with history and making pictures that 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 show that discrepancy. That, that talk about the the how one must interpret imagery. One cannot just look at a picture and, and believe it or, or accept it or, or challenge it. One has to be a participant in the picture. One has to really play a, a, a part in, in, in the image itself. And so my work is really about enlisting the viewer in participating in the image. Um, so um, a lot of my work fails. Um, but I'm working on that. I'm trying to trying to create those kinds of relationships in my work. Um, looking at the 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 signposts of photography. What what is a portrait? What is a landscape? What is a what are these things that that we think they are? You know, and and and, and how do we complicate those things? And and how do we put even some of those things to rest? Well, but that's a great point you make. I mean, of all the photographers I I, I talk to. 
there's hardly ever very little talk of failure, but it's an integral part of of the entire of the entire process. I, um, without failure, there's no progress. Um, I kind of look at failure as it's it's a it's a stop on the train. I don't have to get off there. <laughs> <laughs> I can look at that and say, oh, okay, let's let the train's going to start up, and I'll still be on it. Um, but failure is a really important part of my progress, and and it's one of the things that I've tried to bring to the school as well. Is that that failure is has to be part of this process of learning. That without that risk, without that that sense of uh, uh, in the inevitable. Education is flat. There's no there's no achievement then. Yeah. If 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 we got the best students and we taught them what they needed to know, um, it wouldn't work. We have to take students wherever they come in and challenge their expectations and challenge their assumptions and and actually create circumstance for them to fail yeah. and to show them that the that the questions always get harder. And that the answers are easy to find. If you ask the right question, you can you can go after that that specific answer. And, and education that's our that's our function. That's our role is to help them move their their work their life forward that way. Mm-hmm. Not that we create a uh, an art center look or a, um, uh, an aesthetic, but that they really establish their own personal aesthetic, and they're capable of exercising that in many different venues, but that they uh, they have a, 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 an understanding of the global condition, the, the social awareness, the, the justice of it all, and that, and that within those different schemes, um, they can make decisions about their own images, about, about their way forward, about their careers, even given the facts that uh, photographers make less money. Um, well, the way I always end uh, our conversations is by asking the photographer to recommend another photographer who they think um, our listeners should take a, take a look for. So who would that be for you and why? Lately, um, I've been looking at a lot of work by Mark Klett. And uh, um, he's a person that I've known um, through my connection with Society for Photographic Education. But Mark is producing work that's different from what I'm doing, but along in the same investigation of taking pictures out of history and remaking those pictures in today's uh, um, landscape. So he, for example, he made a book about the, the San Francisco earthquake and places in those pictures of disaster the exact uh, geographic coordinates of what that scene looks like today. And it really does produce a resulting image that makes you question uh, the confidence in which we live in San Francisco, uh, that we, we assume it'll never be the way it was in the, in the earthquake, mm-hmm. and that, that, that the, the way we built up, the way we built out, as he, as he inserts these, these contemporary photographs in the historical one, it, there, isn't a, there isn't a bigger uh, question that, that, that I've ever seen from a photograph. Yeah. Um, it, and, and 
he's committed to this work. I like people that commit to their work, whether they're successful or not, whether they make a lot of money or not. I like people. I like to see that commitment to uh, um, their 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 progress. That's great. Well, thank you, Dennis. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always. Well, this won't be the last time we talk. (laughs) Thanks again for listening and for supporting the show. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or leave a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian Exparello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. photocastnetwork.com.